Amen. Remain standing now as you read these words together uh, from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Will you read these words with me? But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Oh man, the ending, did, did the ending of Inception just deeply disturb anyone else? It's, uh, if, if, if I've completely ruined uh, the movie Inception for you, um, it came out in 2010, so I'm not really, like, that's your own fault. No, it's, it's, um, there are these, these, you know, movies that we watch, or maybe books that we read that have these endings that are, that are kind of these, these cliffhanger endings. They kind of leave it up to you, right? It, it, it's kind of this choose-your-own-adventure thing, and, and, and how will you decide what happens from here on out? And, and sometimes those endings kind of disturb us, and sometimes they kind of make us think more than maybe another movie that just wrapped everything up in a bow, right? Or maybe another story that, that just kind of ended everything nice and neat. It, it makes us think more, and what we learn is that the Gospel of Mark has a similar ending. We're going to talk about the, the different endings of the Gospel of Mark, but really the, the earliest known ending is the women leaving afraid and, and not telling anyone, and we're left with this kind of cliffhanger ending, this kind of ending that makes us think. What will we do now? We, we've been talking for several weeks about the unexpected Jesus. We've been reading through the Gospel of Mark and learning about the ways that Jesus defies our expectations. Um, as we were talking about this sermon series, uh, Brandon said this, and, and I think he's exactly right. He said, don't let your expectations define Jesus. Let Jesus define your expectations. Will you say that with me? Uh, don't let your expectations define Jesus. Let Jesus define your expectations. Don't expect what Jesus is going to do. Don't, don't just say, well, surely Jesus is going to do this. Jesus is going to choose that person. Jesus is going to be here. Jesus is going to do that. But instead, what we should do is, is pray and consider and ask Jesus and read throughout the Gospels and, and read the Bible and understand how Jesus constantly defied expectations. How Jesus constantly defied what was expected of him. He did the other thing. He showed grace again and again and again. And it defied expectations. Um, and, and when he did that, people were afraid. 
Uh, people were fearful when Jesus defied those expectations. If you have your sermon notes, they're, they're in your bulletin. If you're somebody who likes to write things down, you're welcome to do that. I hope, you'll, uh, I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll pray over this this week and, and consider how God might be speaking to you this morning. Uh, we learn about this kind of fear mentality, and we learn that there's a problem in that, right? The problem is simply this, that we fear what we do not know. We fear what we do not know, what we do not fully understand. Those things are out there that we really, we, we don't know. And, and, and because of that, we become fearful. We know this is a characteristic, not just of us today, but throughout human history, right? The aspect of, of racism, especially in our country, is prevalent because we were fearful of something we didn't know, that many people were fearful of something that they didn't know. And, and so fearful, in fact, that they, that they made people sit at, at different places in a restaurant simply because they had a different skin color, right? And, and then whenever people defied that expectations, when they did something different than what was expected of them, people were afraid. People were afraid and, and did outlandish things, uh, we, we know this is not only true of the United States, but Oklahoma in particular and Tulsa, um, Bishop's Diner, um, was famous not only for its segregated seating, but also for the, the pickets and the sit-ins that happened there um, during the civil rights movement. People were fearful of things that they did not know, and, and something happens to us when we are afraid. When, when we are afraid, something happens to us that that fear can cause us to do some unintelligent things. Fear can cause us to do things that are not rational, that, that are not logical, that are not something that somebody would do in their right mind. I have things in my own life that I am fearful of. I, I have things in my own life that, that I am afraid of, and, and because of that, I do some unintelligent things. The, the thing I know least about is this. The U.S. postal system, I do not understand it. And, and, and maybe it's because I'm a millennial. Maybe it's because this is an enigma that has always evaded me. I, I, I really do not understand. I'll hold a letter and thank God for Melissa. She actually understands this. And I hold it and I say, like, how, like, how, how many like, stamps do I need to put on this thing in order to get to the place that it needs to go? It's just as though, you know, it's, it's this much. And so I put it on there and I said, but I'm going to mail it, you know, to, to, to Texas. How long is it going to take? She said, a couple of days. And I say, how do you know? You know, like, how do you understand that? You know, sometimes that my envelopes might actually look like this. You know, it's like, well, I put 15 cents on it. Was that what I was supposed to do? I remember uh, when I first started working for a church in Oklahoma City, um, they sent me to the, to the post office uh, to go get some stamps, you know. And, and so I, I, I walked up to the, to the register and, and I said, you know, I need, I need a lot of stamps. And she said, you mean a book? And I said, no, I need stamps. And, um, and she says, no, like, uh, and she was holding the thing. And I said, oh yeah, that, that, that's what I need. And, and then, you know, I, I knew that I worked for a, a church, which was a nonprofit and I, and I had my tax exempt card and I said, yeah, and this is tax exempt, the tax exempt. And she said, these are stamps. And I said, no, it's a book, you know, like, and, and she says, no, these are stamps. There's no taxes. And I was like, there's no taxes. I don't understand the U S postal system. They did. It evades me. I, I don't understand it. And because of that, I do things that are unintelligent. I, I do things that are not logical. And, and I know this is not only true in my own life. This, this is true for all of us, right? We all have things in our own lives that we are fearful of. And because of that, we do things that are, that are not smart. You know, maybe it's true at your work. Maybe there's a project that you don't understand, or maybe there's a person you don't understand. Maybe it's even a supervisor. And whenever, you know, they come into the room, you, you do things that are well, that are not logical, that are, that are not smart. Or maybe it's even your, your neighbors. You know, maybe you don't understand them. Maybe they live a way that's a little different than you. And, and because of that, you know, you make assumptions about them that are, that are not logical. 
And you start making decisions and, and, and filling in narratives that, that don't necessarily make sense. Or, or maybe it's even within your own family. You know, maybe there, there's a, a relative that, that lives a little differently than you and you don't fully understand it and because of that you're fearful of them. Or maybe it's your own children. Maybe your children have made different decisions than you did when you were their age. And, and, and that you don't fully understand it and it makes you afraid. Because it seems like them making a different decision than you made at their age is some kind of value statement on the decision you made when you were their age, and and now you have this kind of contentious relationship. But what I'm asking us this morning is to simply place that fear somewhere else. To place that that fear somewhere else. What we see throughout the Gospels are the disciples and all those who surrounded Jesus constantly fearful. Constantly fearful, and especially in the Gospel of Mark. It happens again and again and again. Uh, the idea of fear comes up 14 times in the Gospel of Mark. 14 times in the Gospel of Mark, somebody is either afraid or fearful. And in the Gospel of Mark, 14 times, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is whenever we consider the fact that the Gospel of Mark is 16 chapters long, right? It's a short book. You can read it in one sitting. 14 times the idea of fear comes up, that the disciples are afraid because they're in the boat and the, and the storm comes over and, and they fear they'll lose their lives. The religious leaders are fearful because Jesus has this, this great following and he starts healing people. And Jesus even heals people and the people surrounding that person who, who is now healed are afraid. This comes up again and again and again. People are afraid. And every time it happens with the disciples, every time it happens with the disciples, they are criticized for their misplaced fear, for their misplaced fear. They're not criticized for being fearful, and they're criticized for their misplaced fear. And this is true not only throughout the gospel, but especially at the ending. Now, now we need to kind of get in the weeds here a little bit to talk about the endings of the Gospel of Mark. There are actually three endings of the Gospel of Mark. If you, if you haven't ever read through it, you, you should. It, it, it's, it's a really quick read, and when you get to the ending, you notice that there are three possible endings. Uh, we're going to kind of like open up a can of worms here, but just to talk about it really quickly. Um, the longer ending is um, probably later added to the Gospel of Mark, to the original manuscript, uh, but it was the most prolific. It was, it was the most written about, and it's called the longer ending. It includes Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene, to the disciples, and he commissions them, similar to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and then he ascends into heaven. And this was the, the longer ending. This was not the original ending of the Gospel of Mark, but it is the longer ending, the, the one where they found the most manuscripts included this kind of ending. Other manuscripts included the shorter ending of the Gospel of Mark. And, and that includes uh, this phrase that, that all that had been commanded to the women, they told briefly to those around Peter. So, so the women left the tomb, and even though they were afraid, they went and they told Peter and the other disciples. This was the shorter ending. It, it wasn't in all the manuscripts, but it was in some of them. But the original ending, when it came time for Mark to write his gospel, whenever it came time to write, for him to write his good news, when he was about to tell what he knew about the story of Jesus Christ from what he had heard, from what he had experienced, he chose to end his gospel in this way, that the women said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Mark says, I, I have this, the best news that the world has ever heard. This is the greatest thing that has happened on, in the world. And, and, and when he chose to write it, he chose to end it with, they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. It's this kind of cliffhanger ending. It, it ends in the way you wouldn't think it's supposed to end. It ends with these women walking away fearful, for they were afraid. 
for they were afraid. Well, why did this happen? Well, because in the Gospel of Mark, the resurrection of Jesus was unexpected. And Jesus talked about it in the Gospel of Mark. He, he mentions it, but he also mentions the fact that you know, when Jesus speaks, sometimes people don't fully understand because they haven't experienced who he is. Most people at the time think he's a, just a good teacher, a good rabbi. And so when Jesus is resurrected, it is the unexpected thing. It is the unexpected thing. It's a surprise to the people who experience it. And the women went away afraid because Jesus had done the unexpected. Jesus had done something that they did not expect him to do, and their response was fear. I wonder in our lives what happens whenever Jesus does the unexpected. What happens in our lives when Jesus does something that we don't quite yet understand? When Jesus chooses that person? When that neighbor shows up at church? When our boss asks us about our relationship with Jesus Christ and how it might impact his or her life? What happens in our life? What is our response when Jesus does the unexpected? Will we be afraid? Will we walk away in fear? Jesus talks a lot about fear throughout his ministry. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, he he talks about fear in this kind of misplaced fear. Eugene Peterson puts it this way in, in the message translation. He says, don't be bluffed into silence by threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul in his hands. He says, there are things that are happening around you. There are bullies. Those people exist. There are things out there like that. Jesus isn't denying the existence of these kinds of things. But he says, place your fear in God, who holds your entire life, your soul, your core being in his hands. When I hear this scripture, when I hear Eugene Peterson put it this way, um, I think of Davy Jones. Anybody seen Pirates of the Caribbean? And, and, and Davy Jones is this great great character. Of course, just like an entire like CGI feat, right? I mean, like his entire like body is this computer generated image and he's just this intimidating creature. And, and the first time you meet him in the Pirates of the Caribbean, it's, it's on his ship, right? And, and his crew has amassed these captives and they've lined them up on the deck of the ship and, and Davy Jones enters, right? And, and his beard is kind of going everywhere and he lights his pipe, you know, and, and he's walking around and all these people are shivering in fear. And, and Davy Jones meets his first victim, his first captive, and he looks at him in the eyes, and he gets really close, and he has that line. He says that thing. He says, do you fear death? Do you fear death? Because if you do, Davy Jones has an offer. If you do, you can serve an indentured servitude on Davy Jones's ship for 100 years. Indentured servitude, this awful existence, the, all of these staff represent, they're covered in barnacles, they have this kind of awful life, but they aren't dying. They're alive for 100 years, they serve an indentured servitude on this ship, all because they fear death. Friends, when we live in fear, we make some bad choices. If we fear death, we could really make some poor choices in our life. If we live in fear of that person or this outcome, we could make some choices that aren't good for us in the long run. And so my hope, my prayer is is that we would not fear death, that we would not fear that thing or that person, that we would actually place that fear in God. 
And when we do that, that's not shivering in front of God. That, that, that's not being afraid that God is constantly going to smite us, that he's going to send a lightning bolt to kill us. The fear of the Lord is different. Fear of the Lord is an awe and respect a person ought to have before God. We fear what we do not understand, right? And, and we understand the least of, of which God, right? The, the infinite creator of the universe, the creator of all things around us, is, is the thing we understand the least. And so it's appropriate to have this kind of awe and respect before God, before God. Um, Melissa has this quote that she, she uses. I think she's exactly right. It says that true fear of the Lord is knowing that God is God and that we are not. True fear of the Lord is knowing that God is God and we are not. And that is good news, friends. That is good news that, that, is, that is meant to be a blessing to you. That when you receive the fact we are not God, we are not in control of every in and out of our world. That we have a small realm of influence and that's all we can do. And that when we know that, when we focus on that, good things start to happen. When we start to fear God, good things happen. This happened for the early church. We read in, in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the early church, what, what the, the first Christians did, followers of the way. Um, Acts says this, that meanwhile the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was built up, living in fear of the Lord, living in fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. It increased in numbers when they started to fear God. When they started to fear God, they started to increase in numbers. Why did that happen? I, I think the reason it happened is because when we fear God, we have little room to fear anything else. When, when we fear God, we have little room to fear anything else. It's not that bad things aren't happening around us. It's not that there's these external factors living in us. No, it's that, that if we fear God, if we place God in his proper place, then everything else doesn't bother us as much. And, and here's what I'm not saying. I, I'm not saying that we should just fear God and completely disengage from the world. I don't think that's it at all. Um, for those of you who know, you know, we just ended the longest government shutdown that has ever happened in our nation's history, right? 35 days. The, the, the federal government was, was shut down, and, and in the middle of it, people weren't getting paid. People were, were having to work without getting paid, or people were having to stay home, and, and many of you were in that situation. Many of you had federal jobs, and, and you didn't know what was going to happen. And, and my hope is not that we would fear God and that we would say, well, you, you know, like some of the traditions say, well, you know, just... Like, Jesus is going to call us back someday, and, and all we got to do is just get through it, you know, and, and don't worry about it, and, and, you know, just completely disengage from the world. I, I don't think that's what God is calling us to do. I think we're supposed to fear God so that we can engage in situations like this, that, that we are called to fear God, have this awe and respect before God so that we can be included in these communities of people who are constantly afraid of everything that's around them. And, and we can be this kind of calming presence. We can kind of be this, this peaceful presence. We can actually look different than the world around us when we fear God. That we can do these things. And that when we fear God and we can engage better in these worlds, more thoughtfully, more intelligently, more logically in the world that is around us, if we fear God, that I believe we can actually be an influence for change, for good in the world. That's my hope, my prayer, that, that we would look different than the world around us. We would not spin up because things are happening, that we would fear God. That's my hope, my prayer for us. And so maybe consider these your, your action steps for, for this week. 
I hope that you would fear God so that you can fear less. Fear God so that you can fear less. I, I, I believe it to be true. We place our awe and respect in God that even though things are going to happen, people are going to lose jobs, people are going to lose relationships, they're going to lose family members, things are going to happen. And it's appropriate to respond to those. When we have this awe and respect for who God is, we can properly engage in those situations. We can be the light of the world in those situations. And then I also hope that you will, this week, make an intentional effort to learn about something you don't know. Learn something you don't know. We, we fear those things we don't know. We fear those cultures we don't know. We fear those people we don't know. We fear those situations we don't know. My hope, my prayer is that you would actually intentionally and genuinely learn about those situations. Maybe that's a, a, a lunch or, or, or a meal that you share with somebody who's on the other side of the political spectrum. Maybe that's a different lifestyle or, or whatever it is. I hope that you'll learn about something you don't know. We read in the Gospel of Mark, the earliest possible ending of the Gospel of Mark was that the women went away and told no one for they were afraid. And we look at that and we say, what are we supposed to do with that? How, how are we supposed to read that and, and, and apply that into our life? Well, first of all, we have to assume they told somebody because we're reading about it, right? But also, when we read that passage, we read that the women walked away afraid. I, I wonder if Mark is putting it to us. Jesus has done something unexpected in your life. How will you respond? Will you walk away in fear? Or will you place your awe and respect in God and engage in the world around you? Let us pray. God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to us now that you would begin to change our hearts and our minds. God, that you would turn our lives toward you. God, I pray that we would place our awe and respect in you, that we would honor you for who you are. God, that even in these moments, we would begin to understand those things that are happening around us, even, even though there is strife, even though there are difficulties in the world around us, God, that in the end, you are God and we are not. I pray that you would remind us every day. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to dwell here as we remember Jesus Christ, who came and lived and taught us even how to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.